Book the Second, Part Two of A Laodicean by Thomas Hardy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Book the Second, Part Two. A few days after the party at Stancy Castle, Dare was walking down the high street of Markton, a cigarette between his lips and a silver-topped cane in his hand. His eye fell upon a brass plate on an opposite door, bearing the name of Mr. Haddle, architect. He crossed over and rang the office bell. A clerk who admitted him stated that Mr. Haddle was in his private room and would be disengaged in a short time. While Dare waited, the clerk affixed to the door a piece of paper bearing the words, Back at two, and went away to his dinner, leaving Dare in the room alone. Dare looked at the different drawings on the boards about the room. They all represented one subject, which, though unfinished as yet, and bearing no inscription, was recognised by the visitor as the design for the enlargement and restoration of Stancy Castle. When he had glanced over it, Dare sat down. The doors between the office and private room were double, but the one towards the office being only ajar, Dare could hear a conversation in progress within. It presently rose to an altercation, the tenor of which was obvious. Somebody had come for money. "'Really, I can stand it no longer, Mr. Havel. Really, I will not,' said the creditor excitedly. "'Now this bill over to you again, what can you expect? Why, I might have negotiated it, and where would you have been then? Instead of that, I have locked it up out of consideration for you. And what do I get for my considerateness? I shall let the law take its course.' "'You'll do me inexpressible harm and get nothing whatever,' said Havel. "'If you would renew for another three months, there would be no difficulty in the matter.' "'You've said so before. I would do no such thing.' There was a silence, whereupon Dare arose without hesitation and walked boldly into the private office. Havel was standing at one end, as gloomy as a thundercloud, and at the other was the unfortunate creditor with his hat on. Though Dare's entry surprised them, both parties seemed relieved. "'I have called in passing to congratulate you, Mr. Abel,' said Dare gaily. "'Such a commission has been entrusted to you will make you famous.' "'How do you do? I, I wish it would make me rich,' said Havel dryly. "'It would be a lift in that direction from what I know of the profession. What is she going to spend?' "'A hundred thousand. Your commission as architect? Five thousand. Not bad for making a few sketches.' Consider what other great commission such a work will lead to. What great work is this? asked the creditor. Stancy Castle, said Dare, seeing Havel seemed too agape to answer. You've not heard of it, then? Those are the drawings, I presume, in the next room. Havel replied in the affirmative, beginning to perceive the manoeuvre. Perhaps you'd like to see them, he said to the creditor. The latter offered no objection, and all three went into the drawing office. It will certainly be a magnificent structure, said the creditor, after regarding the elevations through his spectacles. Stancy Castle, I had no idea of it. And when do you begin to build, Mr. Havel? he inquired in mollified tones. In three months, I think, said Dare, looking to Havel. Havel assented. Five thousand pounds commission, murmured the creditor. Paid down, I suppose? Havel nodded. And the works will not linger for lack of money to carry them out, I imagine, said Dare. Two hundred thousand will probably be spent before the work is finished. Not much doubt about it, said Havel. You said nothing to me about this, whispered the creditor to Havel, taking him aside with a look of regret. 
he would not listen. It alters the case greatly. Predator retired with Havel to the door, and after a subdued colloquy in the passage, he went away, Havel returning to the office. What the devil do you mean by hoaxing him like this when the job is no more mine than Inigo Jones's? Don't be too curious, said Dare, laughing. Rather thank me for getting rid of him. But it is all a vision, said Havel, ruefully regarding the pencilled tires of Stancy Castle. If the competition were really the commission that you have represented it to be, there might be something to laugh at. It must be made a commission somehow, returned Dare carelessly. I'm come to lend you a little assistance. I must stay in the neighbourhood, and I have nothing else to do. Carriage slowly passed the window, and Havel recognised the power liveries. Hello, she's coming here, he said under his breath, as the carriage stopped by the curb. What does she want, I wonder? Dare, does she know you? I would just as soon be out of the way. Then go to the garden. Dare went out through the back office as Paula was shown in at the front. She wore a grey travelling costume and seemed to be in some haste. I'm on my way to the railway station, she said to Havel. I shall be absent from home for several weeks, and, since you requested it, I've called to inquire how you are getting on with the design. Please look it over, said Havel, placing a seat for her. No, said Paula, I think it would be unfair. I have not looked at Mr. the other architect's plans since he has begun to design seriously, and I will not look at yours. Are you getting on quite well, and do you want to know anything more? If so, go to the castle and get anybody to assist you. Why would you not make use of the room at your disposal in the castle, as the other architect has done? In asking the question, her face was towards the window, and suddenly her cheeks became a rosy red. She instantly looked another way. Having my own office so near, it was not necessary, thank you, replied Havel, as, noting her countenance, he allowed his glance to stray into the street. Somerset was walking past on the opposite side. The time is the time fixed for sending in the drawings is the first of November, I believe, she said confusedly, and the decision will be come to by three gentlemen who are prominent members of the Institute of Architects. Havel then accompanied her to the carriage, and she drove away. Havel went to the back window to tell Dare that he need not stay in the garden but the garden was empty. The architect remained alone in his office for some time. At the end of a quarter of an hour, when the scream of a railway whistle had echoed down the still street, he beheld Somerset repassing the window in a direction from the railway, with somewhat of a sad gait. In another minute Dare entered, humming the latest air of Offenbach. It is a mere piece of duplicity, said Havel. What is? her pretended indifference as to which of us comes out successful in the competition, when she colours carmine the moment Somerset passes by. He described Paula's visit, and the incident. It may not mean Cupid's entire XXX after all, said Dare judiciously. The mere suspicion that a certain man loves her would make a girl blush at his unexpected appearance. Well, she's gone for him for a time, the better for you. He's been privileged to see her off at any rate. Not privileged. How do you know that? I went out of your garden by the back gate and followed her carriage to the railway. He simply went to the first bridge outside the station and waited. When she was in the train, it moved forward. He was all expectation and drew out his handkerchief ready to wave while she looked out of the window towards the bridge. 
The train backed before it reached the bridge to attach the box containing her horses and the carriage truck. Then it started for good, and when it reached the bridge she looked out again, he waving his handkerchief to her. And she waving hers back? No, she didn't. Ah. She looked at him, nothing more. I wouldn't give much for his chance. After a while, Dare added musingly, You're a mathematician. Did you ever investigate the doctrine of expectations? Never. Dare drew from his pocket his book of chances, a volume as well-thumbed as the minister's Bible. This is a treatise on the subject, he said. I will teach it to you some day. The same evening, Havel asked Dare to dine with him. He was just at this time living en garçon, his wife and children being away on a visit. After dinner they sat on till their faces were rather flushed. The talk turned, as before, on the castle competition. To know his design is to win, said Dare, and to win is to send him back to London where he came from. Havel inquired if Dare had seen any sketch of the design while with Somerset. Not a line. I was concerned only with the old building. Not to know it is to lose, undoubtedly, murmured Havel. Suppose we go for a walk that way, instead of consulting here. They went down the town and along the highway. When they reached the entrance to the park, a man driving a basket carriage came out from the gate and passed them by in the gloom. That was he, said Dare. He sometimes drives over from the hotel and sometimes walks. He's been working late this evening. Trailing on under the trees, they met three masculine figures, laughing and talking loudly. Those are the three first-class London draughtsmen, Bowles, Knowles and Cockton, whom he's engaged to assist him, regardless of expense, continued Dare. Oh, Lord, groaned Havel, there's no chance for me. The castle now rose before them, endowed by the raider's shade with a more massive majesty than either sunlight or moonlight could impart, and Havel sighed again as he thought of what he was losing by Somerset's rivalry. Well, what was the use of coming here? he asked. I thought it might suggest something, some way of seeing the design. The servant would let us into his room, I dare say. I don't care to ask. Let us walk through the wards and then homeward. He sauntered on, smoking, Dare leading the way through the gatehouse into a corridor which was not enclosed, a lamp hanging at the further end. We're getting into the inhabited part, I think, said Havel. There, however, had gone on, and, knowing the tortuous passages from his few days' experience in measuring them with Somerset, he came to the butler's pantry. There knocked, and, nobody answering, he entered, took down a key which hung behind the door, and rejoined Havel. It's all right, he said. The cat's away, and the mice are at play in consequence. Proceeding up a stone staircase, he unlocked the door of a room in the dark, struck a light inside, and, returning to the door, called in a whisper to Havel, who had remained behind. This is Mr. Somerset's studio, he said. How did you get permission? inquired Havel, not knowing that Dare had seen no one. Well, anyhow, said Dare carelessly, we can examine the plans at leisure, for if the placid Mrs. Goodman, who is the only one at home, sees the light, she will only think it is Somerset still at work. Dare uncovered the drawings and young Somerset's brainwork for the last six weeks lay under their eyes. 
To Dare, who was too cursory to trouble himself by entering into such details, it had very little meaning. But the design shone into Havel's head like a light into a dark place. It was original, and it was fascinating. Its originality lay partly in the circumstance that Somerset had not attempted to adapt an old building to the wants of the new civilization. He had placed his new erection beside it as a slightly attached structure, harmonizing with the old, heightening and beautifying rather than subduing it. His work formed a palace with a ruinous castle annexed as a curiosity. To Havel, the conception had more charm than it could have to the most appreciative outsider, for when a mediocre and jealous mind that has been cudgelling itself over a problem capable of many solutions lights on the solution of a rival, all possibilities of that kind seem to merge in the one beheld. Dare was struck by the arrested expression of the architect's face. Is it rather good? he asked. Yes, rather, said Havel, subduing himself. More than rather? Yes, the clever devil, exclaimed Havel, unable to depreciate longer. How? The riddle that has worried me three weeks he has solved in a way which is simplicity itself. He has got it, and I am undone. Nonsense, don't give way. Let's make a tracing. The ground plan will be sufficient, said Havel, his courage reviving. The idea is so simple that if once seen it is not easily forgotten. A rough tracing of Somerset's design was quickly made, and, blowing out the candle with a wave of his hand, the younger gentleman locked the door, and they went downstairs again. I should never have thought of it, said Havel, as they walked homeward. One man has need of another every ten years. Ogni dieci anni un homo ha bisogno dell'altro, as they say in Italy. You help me for this turn if I have need of you? I shall never have the power. Oh, yes, you will. A man who contrived to get admitted to a competition by writing a letter abusing another man has any amount of power. The stroke was a good one. Abel was silent till he said, I think these gusts mean that we are to have a storm of rain. Dare looked up. The sky was overcast, the trees shivered, and a drop or two began to strike into the walkers' coats from the east. They were not far from the inn at Sleeping Green, where Dare had lodgings, occupying the rooms which had been used by Somerset till he gave them up for more commodious chambers at Markton, and they decided to turn in there till the rain should be over. Having possessed himself of Somerset's brains, Havel was inclined to be jovial, and ordered the best in wine that the house afforded. Before starting from home, they had drunk as much as was good for them, so that their potations here soon began to have a marked effect upon their tongues. The rain beat upon the windows with a dull, dogged pertinacity, which seemed to signify boundless reserves of the same, and long continuance. The wind rose. The sign creaked, and the candles waved. The weather had, in truth, broken up for the season, and this was the first night of the change. Well, here we are, said Havel, as he poured out another glass of the branded liquor called Old Port at Sleeping Green, and it seems that here we are to remain for the present. I'm at home anywhere, cried the lad, whose brow was hot and eye wild. Havel, who had not drunk enough to affect his reasoning, held up his glass to the light and said, 
I never can quite make out what you are or what your age is. Are you sixteen, one and twenty, or twenty-seven? And are you an Englishman, Frenchman, Indian, American, or what? You seem not to have taken your degrees in these parts. That's a secret, my friend, said Dare. I am a citizen of the world. I owe no country patriotism and no king or queen obedience. A man whose country has no boundary is your only true gentleman. Well, where were you born? Somewhere, I suppose. It will be a fact worth the telling. The secret of my birth lies here. And Dare slapped his breast with his right hand. Literally, just under your shirt front, or figuratively, in your heart? Asked Havel. Literally there. It is necessary that it should be recorded, for one's own memory is a treacherous book of reference. Should verification be required at a time of delirium, disease, or death? Havel asked no further what he meant, and went to the door. Finding that the rain still continued, he returned to Dare, who was by this time sinking down in a one-sided attitude, as if hung up by the shoulder. Informing his companion that he was but little inclined to move far in such a tempestuous night, he decided to remain in the inn till next morning. On calling of the landlord, however, they learnt that the house was full of farmers on their way home from a large sheep fair in the neighbourhood, and that several of these, having decided to stay on account of the same tempestuous weather, had already engaged the spare beds. If Mr. Dare would give up his room and share a double-bedded room with Mr. Havel, the thing could be done, but not otherwise. To this the two companions agreed, and presently went upstairs with as gentlemanly a walk and vertical a candle as they could exhibit under the circumstances. The other inmates of the inn soon retired to rest, and the storm raged on, unheeded by all local humanity. End of Book the Second, Part Two